My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Monday the 30th of October. I'm Zara. I'm Billy, TDA's editor. Today we are bringing you a very special interview with Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk. Yes, that's right. I flew to Brisbane last week to speak to the Premier of Queensland. The stats show that Queensland is the worst state when it comes to youth detention capacity. Well, it's an issue nationally. It's not just unique to Queensland. Do you accept that it's in terms of capacity at youth detention centres, it's more of an issue here? That's what the stats show. You are correct, there are more people in our youth detention centres. But before we get there, Zara, what's making headlines this morning? Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has said the second stage of the war has begun, detailing the expansion of an Israeli ground invasion into Gaza. In the same speech, Netanyahu said, we're going to save our country. According to the Gaza Health Ministry, 7,650 Palestinians have now been killed by Israeli forces since October 7, when Hamas launched an attack on Israel. Over the weekend, phone and internet communications went down across the whole of Gaza due to airstrikes. According to the Associated Press, these communication channels have now been restored. Former Chinese Premier Li Keqiang has died aged 68 after suffering a heart attack in Shanghai. Li held the role of Premier, the second highest ranking in China, from 2013 until retiring earlier this year. He died on Friday after attempts to revive him failed. Friends actor Matthew Perry has died aged 54. According to TMZ, Perry died from drowning. A statement from Warner Bros. Television Group, which produced Friends, said the impact of his comedic genius was felt around the world and his legacy will live on in the hearts of so many. And in today's good news, the first World Health Organization-approved malaria vaccine has cut deaths among young children by 13% in the last four years. Malaria is a life-threatening disease spread to humans by some types of mosquitoes. It's believed that deaths from malaria could continue to decline as vaccines are made more widely available. Anastasia Palaszczuk, thank you so much for joining The Daily Oz. My pleasure. I want to start really broad. In your eyes, what is the biggest issue facing young people in Queensland today? I think the biggest issue facing young people is the cost of living that's happening right across Queensland and across Australia. So even buying groceries is expensive, cost of fuel, the cost of rent, young people thinking about buying their own home. These are having a big impact on people, especially young people. I hear it from when I'm out and about talking in the community and also unsure about what the future holds, what career should they go into, how are they going to make ends meet, can they travel, is COVID coming back again? So I think it's uh, we're living in a, in a very different world, but hopefully in a few years' time, uh, everything will settle down. Now, you were in support of the voice referendum, but Queensland had the highest proportion of no votes. Does that suggest that you as a leader are out of touch with the opinions of the voters in your state? I don't think so because it was a national referendum and that no vote resonated across Australia. Uh, referendums to be successful uh, usually need bipartisan support um, and that's been the history of referendums. 
Were you surprised by how high the proportion of no voters in Queensland specifically were? Um, well, I think we saw that across the nation, you know, and the Australian public have, have spoken and uh, as leaders we have to accept uh, that, that position. Now, your government has set out a path to establish a treaty with First Nations people. The opposition did support it. I think now in the wake of the referendum, they're saying that they won't support it. Are you still committed to establishing a treaty? Well, let me say that we passed through legislation and uh, it was done in a bipartisan manner. Uh, we are committed to the legislation, um, but what I've said very clearly is that the next stage is the truth-telling stage. I just want to be really clear, though. So you emphasise that there was bipartisan support. Now the opposition has said that they don't support the treaty yep, specifically. we support our legislation. So you're still committed to and establishing the, next stage, the treaty? The next stage is the truth-telling, which will be three to five years. Following that, there will be treaties and that would require bipartisan support. I just want to understand the bipartisan support because there are a lot of policies that your government pursues without having the support of the opposition. So why on this issue are you insisting you need bipartisan support? Uh, well, we've seen very clearly that uh, we need to make sure that truth-telling is told across Queensland. But with the treaty, why do you need opposition support? Well, the opposition need to explain why they have walked away from this. They need to sit down with the mayors, and I've been talking to many of the mayors, and explain uh, why they did this. But why do you need their support for the treaty to work? Well, I think we've seen uh, what's happened with the referendum not having bipartisan support. Now, in August, your government passed amendments allowing children to be kept in police watch houses, even if it would not be compatible with human rights. How do you justify overriding young people's human rights? Well, what we saw is, unfortunately, people were taking legal action against us, which would have meant that some of these young people who are serious repeat offenders could have all been released into the community. Since then, I've actually personally sat down with the Human Rights Commissioner and the heads of the government agencies. And what we are going to do over the next six to nine months is build a dedicated remand facility so there won't be any need for young people to be held in watch houses for any lengthy period of time. My understanding is that the initial amendment said that the need to override human rights will expire in 2026, but you just said it was nine months. Well, whenever it's completed, sometime next year, right. and uh, then we'll be able to repeal that. So how confident are you that it will be repealed next year then? Very, very confident. The stats show that Queensland is the worst state when it comes to youth detention capacity. Why is it such a problem in Queensland? Well, it's an issue nationally. It's not just unique to Queensland. Do you accept you... that it's in terms of capacity at youth detention centres, it's more of an issue here? That's what the stats show. You are correct. There are more people in our youth detention centres. That's why we're establishing therapeutic centres. Our best evidence shows us that if you have smaller centres, we can get access to mental health, to reskilling and training, access to First Nations elders where applicable. That will help stop the rates of um, reoffending. The solution of building more youth detention centres addresses the outcome of the issue, but it doesn't address the cause. What is your government doing to address the cause of youth crime? Well, we've, we have got quite a few early intervention and prevention programs that are now starting to work. We've got some work happening in the education department about getting kids back into school, but some kids don't can't do mainstream schools. So we've got to have wraparound services. 
We've got a great program in Townsville at the moment. It's called Stronger Communities. And what that means is all the agencies are coming together and they're working with the families. They're working with the families of the young people who are troubled and and putting services around them and, and helping to stop that reoffending rate. So, you know, these services and early, early intervention prevention programs take time. I want to move to housing. Housing is a big issue in Queensland as it is for the rest of the country. What is your plan to make housing more affordable again? Housing is a national issue and uh, there's issues of supply. The issue Queensland has is 140,000 people moved here last year. We have a really strong economy here and Queensland is a very attractive place for people to live. But 140,000 people moving here is putting a whole lot of pressure um, on our housing stock. So what we've done is we've identified um, where the new areas are. So there's uh, more housing happening there. We've put in new roads, for example, in uh, Caloundra. And the road was put in 10 years ahead of schedule, which means now we can open up another housing development area. The Deputy Premier has released a Southeast Queensland Regional Plan, making sure that the mayors know these are the population projections and you need to look at now how you are going to meet the requirements needed for the future population pressures. Now, Queensland has a target to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 30% below 2005 levels, and that's below the target set by the federal government as well as many other state governments. Why not be more ambitious? Well, can I start with our energy and jobs plan? So we have launched the most comprehensive energy and jobs plan in the nation. We're looking at uh, 70% renewable energy by 2032. It's ambitious. Uh, We're at 26% and we are absolutely changing the landscape of Queensland and how we get our power. This is a massive transformation. Now, in relation to emissions reduction targets, our government will have a lot more to say about that in the new year. Um, We're just getting in some more modelling and uh, I'm looking forward to being able to deliver some more good news in that space. So are you saying that the target will change? Yes. Now, you are the last remaining state leader in Australia from the pandemic era. You led the state through COVID, which other leaders have said took a massive toll on them. Are you exhausted? No, I'm not exhausted. Um, COVID um, was something, I hope, I think it's crossed once in a lifetime. Uh, it was a very testing time and um, a time in my life that I will never forget. But I am energised every day by the people in our state. You just had a holiday and you were criticised for it in the media. Does that take its toll when you feel like you can't even take a holiday without being criticised? Well, they don't do it to men. So I'll let your listeners um, think about that. There have been a number of state leaders who have departed their roles mid-term. There was Daniel Andrews, Mark McGowan, even Jacinda Ardern in New Zealand. Is it an option for you that you take Labor to the next election, let's say you win, and then you leave midterm? No, no, I'm absolutely committed. Well, you are the Minister for Olympics, so does that mean that we can expect to see you in the position in 2032? Uh, let's not go that far. <laughs> <laughs> Anastasia Palaszczuk, thank you so much for joining The Daily Oz. Thank you, it's my pleasure. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of The Daily Oz. I think it's a real privilege for us to be able to interview the decision makers and the power makers in this country. And it's all thanks to you that we are in a position to do so. 
If you have enjoyed this episode, we would love if you could leave us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Have a great day and we'll be back again tomorrow. Tomorrow.